Good morning, Family Worship Center family. We're glad you've joined us today. Whether you're here in Rutherford County or parts unknown across this globe, we're just so honored that you join us for another online live stream worship service. Granted, it's not like sitting in the church house with friends and family and experiencing the corporate presence of, of the anointing and the Lord. It's not like that. But it's what we've got to do for this period of time. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being so consistent. Thank you for tuning in. We had, uh, uh, last week, we had almost 4,000 people that watched this program uh, at some time during the week. And that's only because we have such faithful, wonderful church family that are so supportive, love their church, love the Lord, love their community. So thank you so very much for being a part of our service this morning. Well, five weeks into this crazy pandemic, five weeks, we have experienced some things that we would have never thought in our wildest imagination that we would ever have to experience. It's not happened in my 62 years of living. I don't remember anything like this ever happening before. In fact, recently, <clears throat> I was in a conversation with some friends about some uh, with things we're experiencing during the coronavirus pandemic. And it didn't take long in that conversation. It didn't take long for the conversation to turn from genuine concern for the welfare of others to the frustrations caused by this pandemic. I mean, we started talking about how bad it's been and people that are sick and, and our health care workers on the front lines and how they're in a dangerous position. And we started out talking about that. But before I realized it, I was caught up in the complaining and blaming for all the discomfort this situation has caused our family and everybody I know. <laughs> From the Chinese to the demo, demonic Washington politicians, there's a bunch of devils up there, to our governor, to our local authorities, to the centers of disease control, the wealthy on Wall Street, our local bank, the landlords where my daughter's business is located, Starbucks for not being open, ESPN for showing reruns all the time, and Procter & Gamble getting the most criticism because they're not making enough Charmin toilet paper. I want you to know everybody we could think about was named in our volcano of frustration that erupted in our conversation. As I walked away, from that conversation, it dawned on me that that conversation didn't make me feel any better. In fact, as I walked away, I felt more frustrated. That conversation didn't solve any problems, and everything we talked about only stirred up more frustration in me. And I just felt terrible about myself, because I know verses in the Bible that warn me against such frustrating conversations. But for a few moments this past week, my frustration took over my tongue. Has that ever happened to you in which your frustration takes over your tongue? Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. 
Now, I've been fortunate enough to have been taught about the power of my words. I was so thankful that I grabbed hold of that teaching many, many, many years ago. James chapter 3, verse 2 says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. That word perfect means mature and could also control ourselves in every other way. Did you hear what he's saying? He says that if we can control our tongue, we can control ourselves in every other way. In other words, the tongue is the rudder of the ship. The tongue serves as the bridle for the horse. The tongue leads us in our direction in life. Then James 3, 6 says this, And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Then James 3, 8 in the Good News Translation says it this way, Do not use harmful words, but only helpful words. I, didn't, I wasn't using helpful words in that conversation. The kind of words that build up and provide what is needed so that what you say will do good, will do good to those who hear you. And then one of my favorite ones is Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. And then let's flip over to the New Testament, Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Jesus says, For assuredly I say to you, whosoever says to the mountain, Be removed and be cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. Now listen to this last phrase. It's in the Bible. Now a lot of people don't like to talk about it, but it's in the Bible. He will have whatever he says. If you believe in your heart, speak with your mouth, you will have whatever you say. And I forgot those verses. I got so caught up in my frustration of the moment and the situation. See, I know all those verses. I have read some of those verses hundreds of times. I have memorized some of those verses, and I've taught on every one of those verses at some time in my ministry. But for a moment, a moment of frustration, I wasn't obedient to those verses. I was a hearer, but not a doer of the Word. You see, I gave voice to the frustrations of this situation which we find ourselves in. Have you been in those conversations in the last four weeks? That you've given voice to the frustrations that we find ourselves in? I allowed my flesh frustration to speak louder than my faith confession. I allowed my, faith, my flesh frustrations, all the frustrations, the pinnock of anxiety, the discomfort that I've been feeling and others in our family have been feeling, for a moment in a conversation, I allowed that to be voiced instead of my faith confession. And you know, the sad thing to me is as I've reviewed that conversation over and over again, I did the thing that Psalm chapter 1 tells us not to do. I set in the seat of the scornful. 
I joined in with other people's frustrations. And all of a sudden, I just sat down and was a part of it. Now, I've repented over that several times. And I've been tempted when I'd see something on TV or the news or some of those demonic Washington politicians, when I'd see that, I'd be frustrated to voice my, vent my frustration again. But I've really repented. I've asked the Lord to forgive me because it didn't help anybody. And it definitely didn't build me up. And since that conversations, I've been very careful in what I say and have been keen in listening to what other people are saying. One thing, one theme that I keep hearing repeated over and over over the last week is this, quote, I'll be glad when this is over and we can return to normal. I've heard people say that. And then I've also heard people say this, I will be, I will be glad when we get back to the way things used to be, end quote. Maybe you've said that. Boy, I'd just be glad when we get back to the way things used to be. You know, in reality, uh, just as when 9-11 occurred several years ago, everything didn't return to normal or the way things used to be. Things happened on 9-11 that caused our nation and the world to change some things forever. Likewise, after this pandemic urgency is over, there will be some things which will never return to the way they used to be. And there will be a new normal in some areas. As a nation, if we don't make some adjustments and learn from this situation, it will happen again with the same painful consequences. As Christians, we should not expect, we should not expect our lives to return to the old normal. During this pandemic, God is working God is changing things. God is alerting people. God is convicting. God is moving. And if we return to the old normal, we haven't been listening and we haven't learned. As children of God, we should understand that every circumstance, every victory, every defeat carry a lesson. Every tragedy and every pandemic carry a wake-up call. I know the nature of God. I know Him. God is righteous and just and will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. God did not send this pandemic. It didn't originate in heaven. And it doesn't have the DNA of God. It carries the DNA of Satan. This pandemic is not from God. It has the DNA of Satan. It steals, it kills, and it destroys. But here's what we know. Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. Listen to me, Christians. Listen to what this Bible says. Romans 8, 28 in the New Living Translation. And we know that God causes everything, everything, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Even in this bad situation that Satan is bringing to kill, steal, and destroy, God is working for Christians' good. He's working it out for our good. Listen to what the Amplified says in Romans eight twenty-eight, And we know, what do we know? With great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things, all things, to work together as a plan 
for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. Do you hear what that translation says? It says that God was not caught off guard by this. God has not been surprised by this. He's causing everything to work out in his plan. He was ahead of us on this. This thing has caught us by surprise. It's caught our nation by surprise. It's caught the world by surprise. But it didn't catch God by surprise. And he saw it coming thousands of years before and has been working out a plan to protect you, to provide for you, and to help us during this season that all of a sudden has thrown us into discomfort and frustration. And then I like what the Living Bible says, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all that happens, everything that happens, good, bad, indifferent, pandemic, non-pandemic, frustration, getting laid off, being furloughed, we know that everything that happens to us is working for our good if we love God and are fitting into His plan. Man, over the many years I've been serving the Lord, I've learned that God is working in every situation. I know you might be sitting at home or you might be driving your car and you're thinking, how's this thing going to work out? How is this? How am I going to get through this? How am I going to pay this bill? Am I going to have a job to go to? Am, is my insurance going to be paid? Am I going to be able to pay my rent? Is my children, what are they going to do about school? What are they going to do about education? So many, so many questions, so much confusion. And we have confidence that in the midst of all of this, that every one of us are feeling, that none of us are immune from this confusion, this concern, this frustration, this discomfort. None of us are immune from this, but every one of us as Christians, children of God, must understand that God's working a plan. It didn't catch him by surprise. He's got our back. He's already gone before us. He is doing things and manipulating situations and strategizing and navigating your life. So you're going to get through this because he loves you and you're called according to his purpose. God didn't send this virus and it didn't take him by surprise. And over the last six to eight weeks, there's a lot of voices. The Bible tells us there are many voices in the world and none of them without signification. <coughs> and if I, went, I wasn't supposed to do that. Forgive me. Let me take that back. <coughs> now, all right, here we go. Over the last six to eight weeks, there's a lot of voices. A lot of voices. And the Bible tells us that there are many voices in the world and none without signification. And the loudest voice over the last six to eight weeks has been fear. The voice of fear. It's been speaking louder than any. And then now, all of a sudden... Over the last two or three weeks, confusion. Confusion has been the voice. What are we going to do? How long is this going to last? When are we going to get back to work? When are we going to get back to school? Are, is, is the beaches going to open back up? What are they going to do about this, uh, this SBA loans? How are we going to be paid? How are we going to pay our employees? Am I going to get paid? Am I going back to work? Just confusion. Nobody has any answers. They're, the voice of confusion is all over the place. It started out with fear. It's given way to confusion. And now in the last week or so, the voice that is starting to yell louder than any is the voice of lack. The, the truth of this situation is starting to affect the welfare 
financially and economically of millions and millions of people. And the voice of lack. As I get on social media, I'm, I'm continually seeing business owners and, and people who have small businesses. They're talking about now it's starting to hurt. The lack. I don't know how long we'll be able to stay open. I don't know if this thing gets back to some type of normal, if we'll survive it. I don't know. The voice of lack. People are calling our church and saying, we're not going to be able to pay our rent. We, we, we need some food. We need some help. It's the voice of lack that is starting to scream in our ears. So is the voice of fear, then the voice of confusion, and now it's the voice of lack that's getting all of our attention. And in the midst of all of this, I want to ask the question, and I've been asking this question myself, I'm hearing all these voices, fear, confusion, lack. What does God say? What is God's voice saying? What is he saying to us as Americans? What is he saying to us as Christians? What is he saying to us as humanity? See, he's working. He works in every situation. But, so what's he saying? What's he saying? What is his voice telling us? And if his voice is saying something to us, are we hearing it? Mark chapter 4, verse 29 says, For those of you who have ears to hear, let him hear. I've noticed in my life, there's a lot of times that my ears are on every morning, but I'm not listening. Are we listening? Is he talking? And number two, are we listening to what he's saying? And if he is talking, what is he saying? This past week, a medical professional came up to me. And he said, Pastor, he said, I'm just surrounded every day with fear. I'm surrounded every day with people panicking. I'm surrounded every day. People are just asking questions after questions that we cannot answer. We do not have the long-term answer for this. Can you tell me, Pastor, what's God saying? Have you heard from heaven? Has he said anything to you? Can you tell us what is God saying? I want you to know God's talking. The question is, are we listening? And here's what he's saying. He's saying this, very simple. Fear not, I am with you. That's what God's saying. Fear not, I am with you. Now that sounds like such a religious cliche. It's such a simple and honestly it's a worn out Bible saying. But the truth contained in that saying is the answer to all the clamor and voices of fear that are screaming on social media and on our television. Fear not, I am with you. God is saying that. If you'll get quiet, and if you'll steal the other voices, shut them out, and just get quiet in the presence of the Lord, you will hear him speak to your spirit, Fear not, I am with you. In fact, since a lot of people have a lot of time on their hand, if you get a chance to look up a few places in your Bible where it tells us to fear not, just look up a few places. The Bible is just replete with places where God says to his servants thousands of years ago uh, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, Across generation after generation, God tells his people, fear not, fear not, 
Fear not. And one of the amazing things, if you'll look up some of these verses, is what he says after he says, fear not. Genesis 15.1. He's talking to Abraham. He says, fear not, Abraham. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. He says again to Abraham in Genesis 26.24, fear not, Abraham. I am with you. Genesis 50, 21, fear not, I will nourish you and your little ones. Deuteronomy 3, 22, fear not them, for the Lord will fight for you. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, says, fear not, I am with you. Isaiah 41, 13, fear not, I will help you. Isaiah 43, 1, fear not. For I have redeemed you. Isaiah 43, 5. Fear not. I am with you. Do you see the similarity? In every situation in which fear tried to raise its ugly head and scream, the Lord responds, fear not. Why? Because I'm with you. God is saying we don't have to give in to fear regardless of what is happening because He is with us. People say, well, you don't need to fear. Well, if all I'm hearing is, is how bad things are and how terrible it is and how it's going to get worse and how I don't have enough, if that's all I'm hearing, then all of a sudden I have no reason not to fear. But God says, Don't just not fear. He says, I'm giving you the reason not to fear. I am with you. Remember what Jesus said? I will never leave you nor forsake you. This truth was burned into my consciousness many years ago. I had been secluded in my home for two months. I had not left my house for two solid months. Many years ago, fear had consumed my mind. Paranoia had grabbed me, and I had come to the point that I was afraid to leave my house. On a Saturday, Amanda had asked me to go to breakfast with her and our one-year-old son. Tyler was one year old at that time. And then after breakfast, to go to the grocery store. I reluctantly agreed to go, and all week long tried to pump myself up that Saturday was coming and I need to get out of the house because I hadn't been out in public for a couple of months simply because my mind had been captivated by a spirit of fear. During the breakfast, and we went to Cracker Barrel. I still remember. You know it's the devil when you can't make it through your Cracker Barrel breakfast. We'd gone to Cracker Barrel, and during the breakfast, a panic attack came upon me. An anxiety attack came upon me. I began sweating profusely. My head felt like a vice grip was around it. The noises of the restaurant intensified. Fear came on me like a tsunami. And I said, i got to get out of here, and I pushed back from the table, and I ran to the car in the parking lot. A few moments later, Amanda with our son came to the car, and I said, we got to get home. I went into the house, and she said, well, I've got to go get groceries. I'm taking Tyler. I'm going to the grocery store. I said, well, I'm not going. I'm going back in the house. I walked into our little den and fell face first on the carpet, 
And I remember screaming out, Oh God, I'm losing my mind. Oh God, I'm going crazy. Oh God, I'll never be able to go out in public again. I will lose my job. My family will lose their home. I will lose my family. They're going to put me in some type of insane asylum. Oh, God. And I remember just screaming to the top of my lungs. Oh, God, you've got to come help me. You've got to come help me. I'm losing my mind. I remember saying that over and over. And you've got to remember, that was many years ago. I was an inexperienced young pastor, and hell had unleashed its fury on my mind. I didn't know the things I know today. And Satan took advantage of my biblical ignorance. You see, one of the reasons Satan fights you and I so hard to keep us from studying our Bible or from attending a small group or doing daily devotions is because when we learn the book, when we finally learn the Bible and the truths of the Bible, and start applying those applications from Scripture into our daily life, we become Satan's worst nightmare. He doesn't want you reading your Bible. He doesn't want you going to Bible study. He doesn't want you doing devotion. Why? Because when you learn the Word of God, he can no longer deceive you and trick you and trap you like he's been so successful doing And years ago, I didn't know the Word. I was a pastor, but I didn't know the Word. I knew Bible stories. I'd been taught that in in college, Bible stories. But I didn't know how to apply them to my life. I didn't know and didn't realize that the Word of God, the Word of God, the written Word of God is alive and powerful today for me during this pandemic. I didn't realize that then. And fear was just wrapping itself around me. Fear was controlling my life. I don't know how long I laid on the carpet face down. But after a few minutes, I simply sensed that someone was in the room. I lifted up my head thinking uh, maybe it was our neighbor who had saw me run in the house and came to check on me. And when I was laying face first on the carpet, and when I lifted up my head, in front of me were someone's feet, and they were wearing sandals. I was startled, didn't want anybody to see me so weak. I raised up on my hands and knees, and when I raised up and looked, there standing in front of me was the Lord Jesus Christ. And over the next few minutes, he talked to me about the thought life. Things now that I've taught for over 30 years, the thought life. And the point I want to make is what I saw. I don't want to go into all of that, but the point I want to make is what I saw. At one point in our conversation, the Lord Jesus said, Eddie, there's your problem. And he pointed to the corner of the room. And when I looked to where he was pointing, I saw in the corner huddled up two monkey-looking creatures. I just knew, I knew it immediately, that they were demon spirits. 
you say, how did you know that? Well, I'd never read anything about demons. That was something that happened years ago. It wasn't happening in America. But I knew instantaneously. See, when you get in the Spirit, you know things supernaturally that you haven't learned, and you recognize things supernaturally that you haven't seen. Let me give you an example of that. Remember John, the Apostle John, on the Isle of Patmos? The book of Revelation, where he wrote the book of Revelation, the Bible says he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and then the whole book of Revelation is a supernatural understanding and revealing of things he didn't know anything about prior to that, and he had never seen before. See, when you get in the Spirit, all of a sudden you're seeing things as you've never learned before and seeing things you've never seen before, but you know what they are. Remember what the Bible says in Corinthians? It says, now we look through a glass darkly. We're limited in our perception and understanding. But when we get to be with him face to face, we'll know everything completely. And that's what happened to me that day. All of a sudden, he pointed to the corner and he said, Daddy, there's your problem. And I saw in the corner two monkey-looking creatures, and I knew they were demons. And then every time Jesus would look at them, they would begin to shake in fear. You could see the hair on their bodies shaking. He didn't say anything to them. He didn't rebuke them. He didn't interview them. He didn't ask them any questions. He didn't go over there and chase them out. He would just look at them, and I'm seeing this scene unfold in front of me, and every time he looked their way, they would huddle up in fear and start shaking. And what I've learned over the years in rehearsing that and thinking about that and praying about that is that Jesus didn't have to rebuke them. He didn't have to usurp any authority. He didn't have to talk to them. He didn't have to chase them out. All he was, he was in their presence and fear was afraid of the presence of Jesus Christ. So when he says during this pandemic, fear not, I am with you, Wherever he is, fear has to leave. And you and I must come to the realization and ask the Lord when fear tries to come upon us, when we read something on social media or Instagram, when we see something on the television, when we hear a news report, when somebody from work calls us and tells us how terrible things are, when all of a sudden fear tries to wrap up our, our minds and encompass us and consume us, you just need to realize, we need to realize, I'm not going to fear. Why? Because he's with me. And wherever he is, fear is abated. What is God saying? He's saying, fear not, I am with you. What else is he saying? Well, as I get real quiet in his presence, I hear him saying this, life is uncertain. Every second must count. Life is uncertain. Every second must count. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 15 in the New Living Translation says this, Look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. 
many years ago when I was a little fellow. I would hear people talk about what they were going to do or some place they were going to go. And years ago, I would always hear them in that conversation with the Lord willing. We'll see you next week in church, the Lord willing. We'll be at work this week, the Lord willing. I remember asking my grandmother why they would say that, and I remember her getting her Bible out and showing me James chapter 4. Do you know, over the years, it seems we have lost the concept of the brevity of life. Death and destruction are what happens to other people. Interruption of plans is what happens to other people. We've got our life planned out. We, we know when we're going to retire. We know how long our health insurance is going to last. We know how much we need in savings. or We know how much our pension needs to yield or how much our 401 or 403B needs to yield. We've got it planned out. We've already booked cruises for two years down the road. We've got vacations planned. We've got our life planned out. And COVID-19 has awakened us to the understanding that life is brief. We are not promised tomorrow, and even if we obtain tomorrow, our tomorrow not, might not turn out as we had planned. For example, who would have predicted no high school graduation ceremonies? We're in the season of normal high school proms. Who would have predicted that our seniors would not have been able to, to go to prom this year. They've got their dresses bought. They've got their tuxedos rented. The facilities have been rented. The caterers had been ordered. And now it's, it was in a day's time, it was eliminated. Who would have predicted that? Who would have predicted the cancellation of March Madness? College basketball's utopia event. Who would have predicted? They just wiped it off. People were in Nashville at the SEC, Southeastern Conference, turning, getting ready to watch the games. And in the, after the first day of tournament, they canceled the whole thing. Hotels had been rented. Uh, restaurants had been reserved. People had spent thousands and thousands of dollars on tickets. And it was in a moment's time, wiped away. Who would have planned that? Who would have predicted the cancellation of churches not having services on Easter? On Easter! On Easter! Churches didn't have regular church service. Who in the world would have predicted that? Not in America, maybe in North Korea, maybe in China, but not in America. But it happened here. Who would have predicted that families would not be allowed to visit their loved ones in the hospital or nursing home? I've had families call me whose, whose loved ones, elderly loved ones, have died in the nursing home. And they wasn't able to be with them as they slipped on to the other world. Who would have predicted that would have ever happened? And who in the world would have predicted people fighting in the grocery store over toilet paper? But not in the United States. Fighting over toilet paper, maybe Mountain Dew, but not toilet paper. Who would have predicted that? See, we must wake up. God is trying to get our attention. Life is brief. We're not going to live forever. One of my favorite country singers, 
on a on a on a on a Thursday, I think it was. Predict he 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 put on his website and on his social media page. Uh, I I just found out that I've got the coronavirus. And then on Sunday, announced on his social media page that he had died. Just that quick. Who could have planned for that? Life is brief. And we must wake up to that. Matthew 24, verse 4 says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famine, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you'll be hated for all, by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. We could almost put the time we're living in right now and insert that time. So many of these things just in these scriptures are taking place in our world this very day. See, our compassionate Heavenly Father is giving us a warning that things are shifting. Life is fleeting. We must, every one of us, must wake up and get focused on eternal things instead of temporal things. I've discovered this, that crises reveal the motives of people's hearts. In times of great stress, you will see the best in people, and you will also see the worst in people. The condition of our heart will be revealed when our life is squeezed with uncertainty. What's God saying? He's saying, fear not, I'm with you. He's saying, life is brief. And what else he's saying? I'll close with this. He's saying this. What's God saying? He's saying, the value of your life is not in your stuff. The value of your life is not in your stuff. Luke chapter 12, verse 13 says, Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He was a successful businessman. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger barns. 
Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and my other goods, and I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you've worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but have not a rich relationship with God. You know what God is saying during this COVID-19 situation? He's asking you, how is your relationship with Him? When we rake up and realize that, realize that life is brief, we'll also understand the value of our life is not measured by our stuff. Our life's worth is not measured by our stuff. Did you know at the end, just a, a month and a half ago, at the end of February, in six stock market trading days, that the stock market, the, no, the most powerful stock market in the world, the New York Stock Exchange, the stock market, people who had money in the stock market in just six days in February lost 28% of their wealth in six short days. The American stock market in six days lost over four trillion, that's T as in Turner, four trillion dollars in six days of trading on the stock market. And you know what we've learned through this? Is the devaluation of wealth, the loss of our wealth, the loss of the stuff we've worked so hard for and saved so much for and spent so much time trying to get and obtain, the loss of all of that can occur immediately by things that are out of our control. It wasn't because people invested wrong. It wasn't because people stole it wasn't because of anything like that. It was something beyond every one of our control. So if your perception and if your identity is wrapped up in your stuff, the Lord is saying to us, listen, your worth is not your stuff. We should be learning. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Life is brief. We can work all of our life gathering stuff but it can vanish in a day's time. And our relationship with God is the most valuable commodity we possess. Things will never be the same. Some things will never be the same after this pandemic is over. And we should hope they'll not be the same in some areas. I hope you're not the same. I hope you and I can hear what heaven is saying, what God is warning us about, what God is trying to wake us up with, and we'll make the shift. We'll make the adjustment. We make the change. God is so merciful and so kind. He's giving us an opportunity to become rich in our relationship with Him. I encourage you to accept that challenge. Hear his voice and obey his word. Thank you for watching today. I wished we could get to you and hug you and shake your hand and pray with you. 
I know some of you are scared, and I know some of you are starting to feel the pinch of finances. I just want you to know, fear not, God is with you. He's going to see you through. We love you, and we want to talk to you and minister to you and help you. Give us a call this week. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for being a part of the Family Worship Center family. Now, I've, I've received several calls over the last couple of weeks, and they said, Pastor, every Sunday you always say a blessing and pray a prayer of protection over us. You haven't been doing that online. And can I tell you, I'm sorry. I just simply, simply let it forget. Let me pray a blessing over you now. May the presence of the Lord be yours. May you be protected this week. May the angels of God encamp about you. No fear, no anxiety, no paranoia can come to you or your family. No accident or injury because the angels of God encamp about you to keep you in all your ways. May the God of provision provide everything you need. May you sleep well at night. May your memory be blessed. And may you have favor with God and man. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.